Christmas season is ending, and I don't know about you, but I had an amazing season of celebrating the birth of Jesus, but I also felt spread thin. New Year's is upon us, and I have goals and aspirations that are coming, and I don't even know if I have what it takes. But here's what I love about Jesus. He promises a life that is full of hope, that is full of truth, that is full of power. And what would it look like if we experienced the fullness of Jesus in our lives? And it starts with being connected with Jesus. It starts with having that initial relationship built. But here's the great thing. Not only does he promise to be connected with us, but he promises to send his Holy Spirit to be with us. In John, he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. This stream of living water, this Holy Spirit that he promises, offers us a different way of living. But so often, we have this new connection with Jesus, and we have this reality of the Holy Spirit within us, but the results aren't what we thought they might be. So often, we are met with challenges. How we use our time, what, what's going on with our money, our relationships with each other, and even caring for our own souls. And what we don't realize is those very things often keep the Holy Spirit from flowing freely through our lives. What would it look like to unkink these areas, to read in Scripture the promises and the ways of Jesus and figure out what it looks like to experience the fullness of life? There's a prophet named Jeremiah. He says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Through this series, we're going to discover what it looks like to be connected with Jesus, to have his Holy Spirit flowing through us, but to also see the results that we hope for. These ways of a simpler life that leads to the fullness that Jesus promised. Good morning. Welcome to 2016. You made it. You all came back. Thanks for doing that. Let's just take a big breath and let it out. Exhale. I don't know if you're coming into this new year and you are just limping across the finish line of 2015 and you still have lots of Christmas to put away and figure out more boxes and where am I gonna put that in the garage? If you're like us, what toys are we gonna throw away from last year and the 10 years before so that we can make room for the new ones? But what we want to do is we want to create some space and to simplify some of these things in our lives so that we might be freed up. This promise of the Christian life that we get connected with God and then rivers of life would be flowing in us and through us and out of us is not always our experience. We struggle. Um, one of my greatest joys as a father is to see my kids in the backyard playing with the hose. We even had like this really cool fire hose attachment at one point. But uh, I remember my kids, you know, taking the hose and just, just drinking as much as they possibly could. And then you kind of mess with them a little bit, you know. And so I would grab like the hose and kind of just hold it behind me and I would just kind of squeeze it so the water wouldn't come out. And the perplexed faces on them of what just happened to the water. Daddy, the water's not working. Mom, look, look inside it. What, what's going on? Maybe there's something stuck in there. 
And I, I'll never forget Jed just looking down the barrel of the hose as I just loosened my fingers. And it just went, whoosh, and it just soaked him. And that is why I am the family pastor here at Calvary Church. Thank you very much. Calvary Church, a different kind of family pastor. Now, but there's something about that, that we desperately desire that life to fly. I mean, it's probably the reason that you're here, but we oftentimes are standing there with the hose and there's just a trickle. Like, where is this life that God has promised us? And there's, in Greek mythology, a character named Sisyphus, and he's condemned to this drudgery of pushing this large boulder up the side of a mountain, only to have it slip from his grasp and fall down and just do it over again. Uh, some of you are going into 2016 and you've got your list of resolutions and I'm gung-ho and we're going to do everything good. And we just kind of like go throughout the year and like a couple weeks from now, the resolutions are going to wear out. And we live life just kind of white knuckling instead of red knees. And, and what we want to do is just invite you because I believe that the life that God is offering, what he is inviting us into is, is not really how we live our lives. I think we have this picture of this old man up in heaven who is this schoolmaster and he's always forbidding and he's coercing obedience out of us and he's just looking at us, his slaves and subjects as we just kind of slink through our lives. And I want you to get this picture and this idea of a God who is this wise teacher and is calling us into rest. So I'm not sure what the last couple weeks have been like for you, if you have had some space and if you've had some time to just really breathe, or is it just been crazy and what you had hoped to do just got crowded out by the holidays and festivities and the craziness of life. Um, today, what I get tasked to do is to talk about this concept of simplify as it relates to this old Jewish concept of the Sabbath. And I want us to think about this in terms of, hey, this is not just for the Jewish people, but there is something redemptive about this for all of us. I want you just to take a couple minutes. We're going to go back to that thing that we did that made some of you uncomfortable when we did better together and have you just talk for a couple minutes. This is going to be okay. This is a stretching experience. Um, but I want you to ask this question. It's a really easy question. When you finally get free time, what do you do with it? What does your day off look like? Would you just take a couple minutes real quick, turn to a couple people next to you and just share? Go.
Okay, all done. There you go. Good job. I'm joined up here by my wife, Marilee. Say hi, Marilee. I asked her if she would do something. Um, You know, I've faithfully observed the Shabbat, the Sabbath, every Friday night with my family for as long as I can remember. My context, I grew up in a Jewish home. I am Jewish and we have a Jewish home. And so I just wanted to bring you in and just show you this is a little bit of what we do every Friday night with our larger extended family. And this is Shabbat. Shabbat is just the Sabbath in Hebrew. And so um, what we start with is uh, the lighting of the candles and it's always done by a woman. And so Marilee is here and she's going to lead us in this as well as we're going to just show you a couple of Hebrew blessings. Baruchatah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'olam, Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvatah V'tzivanu Lehalik Ner Shel Shabbat. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us by his commandments and commands us to light the Sabbath lights. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I should do pretty well there. You like that? All right. You should hear the Davis children as they all say this together. It's fantastic. And then... The Abba, the father of the house, takes challah. Say challah. Not kala. It's like you're choking on popcorn. <laughs> like, right? Challah. It's, uh, if, if you want really good challah, go to Cream Pan Bakery in Tustin on El Camino. Otherwise, you have to get my wife to make you one. But uh, this is the challah. And we take the bread and we break it. Dave, you would love this because then we pass it and everybody touches it. It'll be lots of germs going on. And we say this prayer, Baruchata Adonai Eloheinu Melchalam, Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Um, these prayers, these traditions have been said for millennia, even before the time of Jesus here on this earth. And so Jesus, when he's sitting at the Last Supper with his disciples, and he says this, he's even prophesying. He is the bread that comes up from the earth. And we all pass this. And, and we remember God's provision to the Israelites in the wilderness when manna came down. And then we take the cup. And uh, this is called a Kiddush cup. It means sanctified. It, it, we, we set this day and this time aside. And this cup is sanctified. And we say, Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, the creator of the fruit of the vine. And then we drink down some Manischewitz, which um, the sommeliers never figure out that it's actually a really great, it's actually a horrible wine. It's really sweet. But we take that. And this is our custom. Now, one thing that kind of hit me in this, as we're brainstorming and we're talking through, okay, this simplifies series And we're discussing this idea of the Sabbath. Everybody in our little circle looks at me and says, well, you're the perfect guy for it. You are Jewish. You do the Sabbath. And I thought, yeah, I'm the perfect guy. And then I start to think, you know what? Um, I'm kind of type A. I'm a little bit rigid. I'm very rigid. And uh, I I like to get stuff done. I I tend towards being a workaholic. um, And even that is an understatement. And I just work, I just get stuff done, and then I started to think, I am the least perfect person to be talking to you about this. And then I started to think, as I'm reading through and studying and going through some of this, I started to think, you know what, this is where a lot of us sit. This is where we come from, and so in that way, 
I might be the perfect person to share with you. Like, how do we do this? How do we break this cycle of, of our speed and our busyness and the cycle of just going crazy constantly? If you've ever gone to a lake and you take a flat rock and you skip it, there's something about that that you have to throw it fast enough and you have to throw it at the right angle because if you don't, it will just hit the water and sink. And so there's something about our speed that makes it safe for us. But there's also something about our speed which leaves us malnourished. And I want us to think about what is it? If, if we really are supposed to have this Sabbath, if we really are supposed to pause, why don't we? What is it that keeps us from it? What is our fear that maybe if I slow down that I might actually have to start dealing with some of my junk? I might have to start getting closure in areas of my life that I really don't want to address. I might have some emotions and feelings that I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do. So what we do is we just run at lightning speed and it keeps us safe, but we also kind of forfeit quite a bit. We have this dichotomy of work and rest, but when we are not resting well and work becomes our God and God is not our God, that work requires sacrifice and what you have to lay down and offer as a sacrifice to that God, you have to sacrifice your family. Some of you have sacrificed your health because you can't stop working and you have the anxiety and the stress and I believe that God is calling us back to a place where we need to pause. And so as we kind of unkink some of these areas in our life, my hope and my prayer is that we are freed up, that we are able to enjoy the life that God has for us and that we are able to incorporate some of this into our life. Now, uh, you have uh, this journal and I want you to sit with it on that first page. You can write your name and email or phone number in case you lose it, but this is your guide. This is your best friend for the next month that you sit with this. And we put some quotes in here and some questions and some space for journaling. And I thought, man, if we're talking about simplify, then maybe I should just try to keep this really simple. So I took all of the slides and I just tried to have one slide for us this morning. And uh, that's pretty much what it looks like. Um, so hopefully you can read that and make it out. But I mean, isn't that like what it looks like and what it feels like for us at times? What I want us to really walk through, and I have a few more slides than just one, but um, God has a design and a calling, an invitation, a wooing us in that he has this simplicity of the Sabbath. And I want to just, I'm really contextual. I love looking at a topic throughout the breadth of, of scripture. And so we're just going to look at God and the Sabbath and the creation in the garden and, and the Israelites and, and the Sabbath. Jesus, what did he do with the Sabbath? And then finally just look at, at us and the Sabbath and how can we do that? So as we start and we look at God and the Sabbath, the garden, we all know the story of God for six days creates the heavens and the earth. And it says in Genesis chapter two, verses two and three, by the seventh day, God completed his work. Um, some of your translations actually say on the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. He made it holy. This is actually the first thing that God makes holy is he makes time and space holy. 
because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now it's interesting, if you look at Exodus 31, it says, in six days God created the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and then it says, and he was refreshed. That word refreshed actually means that God exhaled. God exhaled. But what's interesting to me is in this Genesis passage, there it feels like there's a little bit of a conflict between this and in Exodus because it says in Exodus, in six days he made the heavens and the earth, but it says on the seventh day. Now, if I finish a project on the seventh day, that means I'm actually doing something on the seventh day. By the seventh day, God completed his work. And so there's discussion amongst the Jewish community and rabbis. Well, what was it that God actually did on this seventh day? And they all have come to this idea, and there's a word that's used for it, that God created menuha. It, it means that God created tranquility or rest, delight. It's the good life, that there is this space, there is this place to pause and to breathe. It's, it's what Job talked about when he is going through his calamity and chaos in his life, that he's longing for to sit by the waters of Menuha or Menuhot is what it says, that he wanted that tranquility. It's the same word that's used in Psalm 23, that the shepherd would lead us by green pastures and still waters. That is Menuha. It's, it's interesting though. We have this quote that says, I have so many things that I have to do before I die that at this point it will never happen. We think that rest is going to come when we finally die and God is saying, no, no, don't wait for then. If we can't get some of this now and enjoy it now, then we'll never enjoy it on the other side. And so God takes this rest and he takes in his creation. And then for the next 2,500 or so years, Sabbath is a God thing. He doesn't tell Abraham to observe the Sabbath. He doesn't tell Isaac or Jacob or Joseph. They did not celebrate or observe the Sabbath. We don't see it until we have the Israelites. And the Israelites, they have their, their story in the wilderness. And if you go to Exodus chapter 16, it's the first time that we see that God is establishing something with his covenant people. And he says, I want you to take this Sabbath rest. And so he says, for six days you will work and on that sixth day, I'm going to give you a double portion of manna. Go out and collect the manna. In fact, the double portion, it's why Jews today have two loaves of challah. It's to remember that God said to rest. There is no collecting on that seventh day. And in Exodus 16, verse 27 says, It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather and they found none. Why didn't they find any? God wasn't providing any that day. They should have got it the day before. And so... The Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days. And on the sixth day, remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now you jump forward four more chapters, and in Exodus 20, we have something that we like to call the ten suggestions. These are suggestions, I mean commandments. And God tells us, I want you to observe some of these things. And it's interesting because we don't have any problem with, you know, thou shalt not murder. Sometimes we have trouble with thou shalt not steal. But there's, we, we take this stuff and we say, okay, I'm supposed to do this. But if you look at the Ten Commandments, the one that God spends the most time on is this commandment to keep the Sabbath. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, four verses are spent on this Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. The, the question is, is it possible for me to actually get all of my work done in six days? And what the rabbis would tell us today is that we are supposed to rest as if we got it all done. But we have trouble with that. Now, some of you, your life is seven days of rest. And so there is also suggestion in here that you're also supposed to be working. But God does something with his people here. He's, he's saying, look, Israelites, you have been slaves in Egypt for so long. You didn't know rest. You just worked seven days a week, just constantly, constantly. I'm going to bring you out and you're going to cross the Red Sea. You are going to be my people. And I'm going to give you a day where you can rest, where you can remember creation as I intended it. You can remember the fall from creation and the promise to restore that God wanted to bring shalom to the people and one day he would restore for them. And so even today, Jewish people, we go around to each other on the Sabbath and we say, Shabbat Shalom. May you have a peaceful, restful, tranquil Sabbath. That is the hope. And then we get into this passage in Deuteronomy 5 and it says this, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor, do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, your ox, your donkey, any of your cattle, your sojourner who stays with you. Why? So that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And what hit me as I was thinking about this, and somebody sent me an article a couple of weeks ago, and I just started thinking about it. One thing that I never really considered in my work and in my constant movement is that I, in a way, impose my busyness, my hurriedness on all of the people around me. For many years... I've been at Calvary for pushing 18 years now. My rhythm, my schedule was uh, I would work here on Sundays, but also we were part of a Messianic Jewish community trying to reach out to Jewish people. So not only did I work during the week, but I also worked on Saturdays. And then I worked on Sundays. And then my Sabbath was Monday. But as we had kids, uh, I remember one day, Noah, our oldest, as he's getting dressed to go to school on Monday, he's just gone through the marathon weekend that we were used to, that that was our pace. And as he's getting dressed, he says, Daddy, when do I get a day off? Can I tell you the level of conviction I felt at that moment? And so we really need to make sure that we did something to change our pace. I realized that my pace, my lack of a Sabbath was not just impacting me, but it was impacting those around me. And so God calls us to this time of rest. And we have to trust God in this, that, that he is going to take care of us in our Sabbath. And, and I have to wrestle with this idea of my own selfishness. 
in my wanting to work. Now, Jesus does something altogether different. The question becomes, well, what did Jesus do with the Sabbath? How did Jesus observe the Sabbath? And the answer is, he did whatever he wanted to. Jesus not only came to to obliterate the sacrificial system, he says, I am the sacrifice. But even with something like the Sabbath, you can see over and over again that he's constantly challenging the legalism and the Pharisees. And it's, it's pointed out so plainly. You can look at a passage like Matthew 12, where it says, and it was the Sabbath, and then Jesus does something. And the Pharisees are pointing their fingers saying, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. Or the disciples are gathering great. And all of these things that they are doing that is breaking the Sabbath are not from the Torah, the written word of God, but they are from the rabbis. These are rabbinical laws that are coming out. And so Jesus never breaks any of those laws. He was healing on the Sabbath. But that was not breaking a rule because nobody else was healing at the time. And so Jesus is challenging all these things and he is establishing it. And he's saying to his people, we need rest, but you have missed what I intended for it. And so Jesus goes through this and I think about some of the legalism and the dreariness of our Sabbath. When we go to Israel, um, one thing that happens when we take, uh, we we go into a hotel, uh, they have something on the Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday night. They call them the Shabbat elevators. Um, It is not permissible in Jewish culture in Israel today to push a button to actually call the elevator to come to you. It's it's causing a spark electrically and something happens. So you're not able to. So they have pre-programmed everything. They program all the lights. They come on automatically. But you don't have to press a button when you go into the elevator. You're thinking, that's considered work? Yes. We have all kinds of rules for everything. Now, I remember being on the 19th floor of a hotel and getting into the Sabbath elevator. And I got in sometime around dinner and got back off sometime around breakfast the next morning because it stops at every single floor on the way down so you don't ever have to push a button. Now, this legalism, this, this compulsion that sometimes we feel that we might have to, like God is this rule keeper, I want you to understand that there is freedom from that. You look out throughout church history and many times, even I was reading in the 16th century that church services were designed to be really long so that it would keep people seated in the church so that they wouldn't be out there fulfilling the desires of their flesh. And so it became this arduous task and and we've created these rules for the Sabbath and and Jesus says in Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man, he's saying me, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I made up the rules in the beginning and I can tear them down. And he's saying that we need to have our Sabbath rest be in him. There's a, a quote from a rabbi. He says this, lots of people will swear allegiance to the Sabbath and criticize those who don't keep all the Sabbath laws, but their inner experience is not one of spaciousness. It is too easy to talk of prohibition, but the point is the space and the time created to say yes to sacred spirituality, sensuality, sexuality, prayer, rest, song, delight. It is not about legalism and legislation, but about joy and the things that grow only in time. We need to remove the grimness from it. It begins, he says, by saying, today I am going to pamper my soul. 
Isn't that great? Do you have some set time in your life weekly where you can just pause and say, today I am going to pamper my soul? Some of us feel really guilty about doing that. We don't let ourselves rest very well. And the legalism starts to creep in. But I believe that Jesus is calling us to have some space and to delight in him. Now, I've read all kinds of things. What do we actually do with the Sabbath? And I don't want to come up with rules for you. I'm not going to. But if you do this, then this is the Sabbath. Somebody came up and said, I like to work on cars. What I will tell you is that Sabbath is not merely a day off. Sabbath is not leaving here today and watching football for the rest of the day. Guys, don't hurt me. You're allowed to do that. Have a day off. But the intention for the Sabbath is that we would enjoy God. If you can find enjoyment with God in activity of going for a walk, there's all kinds of great ideas. In fact, Randy has started a little Sabbath section in the bookstore, and there are some really great practical ideas. I read one where you create a Sabbath box, and the things that you struggle with and you, that distract you from just resting being with God, you put that in the box. It might need to be cell phone size or 60-inch TV size, but whatever it is, whatever those things are, God is calling us to rest with him. There's one uh, phrase in the Talmud that says that, that that Friday night, that that Sabbath is set aside for making love. And then there's another one that says up to four times a day. And some of you are thinking, I've got to become Jewish now. <laughs> there's time to pause and to take in to creation what God has intended, that we enjoy his creation. So what is it for us? What does the Sabbath look like for us? here in the jungle. See, we have a chance to get this. Now, we don't do the Sabbath because God said so in the Bible, but it's because of an invitation. There is no legalism. We don't have to do it. Why do I do it today? I want to do this to identify with my Jewish people and because I need the habit of doing this. But even just those three elements, if that's all I do, and unfortunately, most of the time, that is what I do. And then I just get as busy as the rest of us, right? One thing I've learned in the process of this is I need to take some time to sit and to enjoy God. Maybe I need to go on a hike and take some of this in. Uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, great book called The Sabbath. It's also in the bookstore. He says this, To the biblical mind, however, labor is the means towards an end. And the Sabbath as a day of rest, as a day of abstaining from toil, is not for the purpose of recovering one's lost strength and becoming fit for the forthcoming labor, the stuff that's coming up the next week. The Sabbath is a day for the sake of life. Man is not a beast of burden. And the Sabbath is not for the purpose of enhancing the efficiency of his work. You are not supposed to stop and take this rest so you have enough strength to just do it all again the next week. That we need to do things that are life giving. And in all of this, I believe that Jesus is calling us. And when he says, look, it's not about keeping all of these laws. He's saying that I am the Lord of the Sabbath, that you need to find your rest in me. Go through the book of Hebrews, especially the first few chapters. This concept, this idea of rest is throughout 
But in Hebrews 4, it says, so there remains a Sabbath for us today. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from us. Maybe what you need to hear in this new year is this verse that it's Jesus' invitation. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And the holidays in your December was just too much. And I will give you rest. See, we live in the culture, especially here in Orange County. I, this is not that applicable for those in Nebraska this morning, right? Like, I'm going to go check on the corn again. I, I'm sorry if you're from Nebraska. I have no idea. I love Nebraska. It's a lie. I've never been there. Um, but I'm sure I would love the people of Nebraska. But look, this is, this is the culture that we live in and we have this theology of progress. I've just got to get more done and I never stop my work. And your hurriedness and your schedule is impacting not only you, but the next generation. Our kids more now than ever we have the hurried children and the overscheduled and anxiety is not only running rampant amongst all of us in here, but we are now handing that down to our kids and we are not giving them this picture of what does Sabbath truly and really look like. The call for us this morning is to simplify. Um, one of my favorite quotes, it's a reflection and it comes from a guy named Wayne Mueller. Is, is, is what we're about to see here. I, I, I want you to drink in this quote, that you would take this, internalize it, and make this part of your rhythm and your pace. Would you check this out? Sabbath is not dependent upon our readiness to stop. We do not stop when we are finished. We do not stop when we complete our phone calls, finish our projects, get through the stack of messages, or get out this report that is due tomorrow. We stop because it is time to stop. Sabbath requires surrender. If we only stop when we are finished with all our work, we will never stop because our work is never completely done. With every accomplishment, there arises a new responsibility. Every floor swept invites another sweeping. Every child bathed invites another bathing. When all life moves in such cycles, what is ever finished? The sun goes round, the moon goes round, the tides and seasons go round, people are born and die, and when are we finished? If we refuse to rest until we are finished, we will never rest until we die. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us from the need to be finished. If you grab your journals, that quote is on page five. And I think it's significant. And I think it's something we need to sit with. Story about South American tribe that would go on these long excursions and they would walk for a couple of days at a time and they would finally set up camp and then they would just sit there for a couple days. And when observed and seen, they were asked the question, why are you stopping? And they would say, to allow our souls to catch up with our bodies. 
there is some space that we are trying to offer you here this month to allow your souls to catch up to your bodies. And what I want to encourage us to do right now is we're going to journal for a couple minutes. Um, on page four, there's some space. Rick Warren shared this concept with us uh, a couple years ago. And a practice that he has made in his life is that he diverts daily, withdraws weekly, and abandons annually. If he can divert, just find 10 minutes, 15 minutes, even five minutes here and there throughout the day to just recollect himself, to recenter himself. Can he withdraw for a couple of hours every week and just spend some time with the Lord? And can he get away for a weekend once a year to abandon annually? I want you to sit with that blank space. I want you to sit with the quote that's on page five and then just hold that before God and say, what would you have me do with all of this? Let me pray, we'll go into that and then we're gonna take communion together as a body. But that's, that's our call, that's the invitation this morning. So God, would you work in each of us right now that we don't do this out of guilt or compulsion, but that this is something that you want because we are tied up and twisted and there is a chaos in our lives that is unhealthy. And it's not just our bodies at rest, but it is our minds and our hearts at rest. Would you show us some space and some time in our lives right now? Would you speak to us that this is an invitation and that this is not a guilty thing, that you are hitting us over the head saying, how dare you not stop? God, that you would give us the desire to desire you. So even in the beginning of this sitting with this time, would you speak to us right now? In Jesus' name, amen.